Good morning, everyone. Welcome once again to Orange Crest Community Church. I'm really glad to see you have all joined us. My name is Bruce, and I'm on staff as uh, one of the pastors here at OCC. And this morning, we are right in the middle of a message series called Beginning Again. And so over the past few weeks, we've been looking at uh, different areas in life where it's really helpful to get a fresh start, maybe, maybe even a brand new start. And uh, th- there's just different areas, you know, f- for me, at different points, when I've needed a do-over, or I've needed to reset, or maybe I've been operating from a bad perspective, or made some sort of big blunder, it's really helpful to have that reset. And I'm really grateful to know that a gracious God, and that you know the God that we serve is one that is uh, very patient with us, and, and very uh, ready and, and active in helping us to learn, you know, how to get a fresh start when we need one. So maybe you'd like a do-over in life when it comes to the way you've handled finances or, or you'd like to begin again when it comes to money because money is a huge part of life. We know this. And when it comes to money and it comes to spending, it's just amazing how uh, a quick decision can lead to lasting impact and maybe even trouble and damage. Just the way that money can just go so fast, uh, we can really get ourselves in trouble real quick. And so over the past few years for me, when I've had periods of, of being tight with money, I, I decided I needed to rely. I developed this strategy of relying on my cleverness with credit cards to, to get ahead financially. Because, you know, we would have the things that we needed to pay for, but, but I wanted to get some, some extra stuff on top. And so you probably have noticed, anytime you open a credit card, m- most credit card companies offer some sort of incentive. You know, they, they want to hook you in, and so they'll offer, you know, open this card and spend so much, and you get a free round-trip ticket to, to anywhere you want. Or if it's for a department store, you could get $100 to spend at their store. Some sort of point system where you can get stuff. And so I thought, you know, okay, this is easy. You open a card. You just spend enough to get the reward and then don't use the card anymore, right? And so I tried this out and it worked out pretty good. I got, um, we got round trip tickets to go visit some family one vacation over the summer. And, and it worked out really good. So I was like, well, why not open some more credit cards, <laughs> get some more stuff. And uh, I started seeing different rewards I could get and points I could accrue. And then suddenly, it started feeling like acrobatic skills required to manage all of the credit cards. Because, of course, they all have different, you know, due dates during the month and, and different, you know, things I'm trying to accrue. And, and so I, I thought, that I was like, I can handle this. I can beat the credit card system. And I can stay on top of this. I'm not going to get behind. And one thing I never admitted to myself was... I never really felt like I had an accurate idea of how much money I really owned at any given time because of all the floating balances and pending charges. And so finally it came to head when, you know, a couple of payments were going to be due at the same time, but I wasn't getting paid till the next period. And I realized I just spent myself into a corner. <laughs> and maybe I'm not as clever as I thought when it came to handling credit cards. So, you know, over the, over the years for me, in the past few years, and especially since I've been married, I've had periods of... Uh, being able to, to really save a lot each month and get ahead, or, and then also periods of it just coming really close and, and cutting it close at the end of each month. And if you've ever been in a position where you, you live paycheck to paycheck, that is very stressful. And kind of no matter what you do, the, the financial c- concern and pressure that's on you, it, it just never really diminishes or goes away because you're just still kind of wondering, you know, how am I going to pay for things? Can I afford that right now? I think I can. You know, how am I going to make it to the end of the month? Uh, or, you know, there's a big charge looming and you've got to pay for rent or whatever. And you think, well, looks like I just need to, to charge it, you know, the last couple of weeks and I'll just swipe the card. 
But then when it comes to debt, the pressure just compounds. And then, you know, you're looking at your repayment schedule and all this, the charges that have accrued, and now you've got to deal with interest. And you just think this repayment schedule is going to take forever. And, and especially if you add in some student loan debt and uh, other, you know, mortgage debt and things like that, and add it to the consumer debt, and you think this, there's, there's a number of debt that I have that I can't even conceptualize. I can't even think about how big this number is. And it, it'll just... Why even try? I feel so far behind. And so, you know, if you have this much debt, or even if you don't, if you're just under money pressure in general, you know, we just try to not let it get to us. Because you don't want to be bothered by that pressure, honestly. Who wants to be stressed out? So you think, you know, I'm just looking at some numbers on a statement. Some of the numbers are red. Some of them are black. But it's no big deal. And the reality of our financial situation, though, it just doesn't go away. You can try to ignore it, but there's the stress that can continue to build and then there's, depending on the financial condition, just a sense of even being shackled to your debt or, or to your position and just being so far behind. You may have seen a TV show on ESPN. It was called 30 for 30 Broke. And it was basically a documentary that followed some of the lives of athletes, pro athletes, in the years after they retired. And so it was based on an article from Sports Illustrated, and it said this. It said, within five years of retirement... An estimated 60% of former NBA players are broke. And another, another phrase is, uh, by the time that they've been retired for just two years, 78% of former NFL players have gone bankrupt or under financial stress. And what's crazy about this is that uh, in 2010, the average salary for an NBA player was uh, $5 million. Which, and that was a few years ago, so it's probably moving more now. And so you, you think about these numbers and you're like, the natural question is, where did all the money go, bro? <laughs> like, it got spent somehow. And what happens is the athletes, they grow their expenses to the point where you, you have to maintain a certain level of income. And, and actually, we can all do this. You don't have to make millions to be able to get yourself in this position. But you, you grow, your, in, your income has to be up at a certain level. And if not, you're, you're just trapped by the tyranny of, of trying to keep up. And when this is going on, uh, it, it's easy to feel like money just has a mind of its own. You know, you've, you've got this money, you're trying, to, you're trying to build wealth, you're trying to manage your finances, but it's kind of like it does its own thing, kind of like a dog. We just got a dog a couple months ago, and so I've been learning a lot about dog ownership. And, and actually, I really love playing with dogs and, and throwing the ball and, and just kind of running around. One of the most frustrating things I think I experience is when your dog, he gets something in his mouth that he's not supposed to have. So, like a toy, a favorite toy of my kids, or one of my shoes. You only have to ruin one shoe to make the whole pair ruined. So, that's stressful right off. So, if he gets this in his mouth, you know, as soon as I take a step towards the dog, he runs away. And it becomes a really fun game for the dog. <laughs> and the more intensely I chase after him, the more excited and determined he gets to stay away and, and now, I'm, now I'm getting angry, and I'm so trying to get this thing, and, and I just diminish my chances of ever retrieving that shoe. And so, in, in the same way, it kind of feels like money sometimes has a mind of its own. It's got its own independent, rebellious will. You know, money, I can't take my eyes off you for one minute without you running off on me. And, you know, money, stay. The truth is, the truth is, it feels like that, but money doesn't have an independent will. It doesn't have legs and runs away. Money actually just goes wherever it's told. And it's hard to admit, but I'm the one that tells my money where to go. And so I've got to own up to that. 
And, you know, in the course of this series, over the past few weeks, we've been looking at different ways to begin again. And so today we're looking at what, it, what is it like to begin again financially? And you may have thought, you know, it sure would be nice to hit a nice big reset button that would just uh, cancel all my current debt. I could just, you know, wipe it clean, start over. If I could just hit that reset button and sell all my accounts, everybody that wants money from me is just satisfied or, or just hit that reset button and all the money I've spent just goes back into my account and I can start fresh. But, of course, this reset button doesn't exist. And, and what's more, if you're in money trouble, if you're feeling the crunch uh, of trying to balance things and make money work out, the, the trouble we get from money doesn't stay there. It actually bleeds over into other areas of life. If you're in money trouble, it's going to bleed over into your relationships. I mean, if you're married, if, you're, if one spouse is a spender, one's a hoarder, and, and things, the pressure's coming on, and there's arguments and blame starting, and it starts complicating things there, or, or maybe if you're in money trouble, you, you know, it may contribute to you being stingy, but you really want to be that generous person and be able to give more freely. Or, or if you're in money trouble, it really just limits your ability to enjoy life. And not just the, the things that you're able to do, but just the way you feel about the activities that you're enjoying while you're paying for it. And, and if you're in money trouble, it makes it really hard to be able to plan for the future. And, and you don't even want it. Like, I don't, don't even talk to me about retirement. Like, that's so far out of reach right now. Or, or if you're in money trouble, and if you're just under a mountain of debt, you may make rash decisions and spend things that you just really, you wouldn't have made that financial decision if you didn't have all this uh, debt pressuring you to, to do this or that. And so we can't reset our financial condition. We've got to deal with what, what we've created. But we can reset our approach to money management. And so admitting that we need help, or, or at least just admitting that we need some additional perspective outside ourselves is really hard to do because <laughs> it's humbling uh, just to acknowledge that, you know, maybe my approach hasn't been working out all that great. You know, what if, what if our approach to, to spending and saving has is, uh, is got some problems with it? Or what if our perspective on debt is a little bit skewed? Or what if, just what if I need a fresh start in how I handle this? Uh, fortunately, the Bible offers a lot of help on this topic. And so today we're going to look at some of the guidance that God gives in changing our approach to money. And we, when we work under God's leadership in this area, uh, it changes the way we view money and the way we use it. And, and the result is a lot of spiritual growth can occur. Because this area of money, this is one area where we can have our, our faith challenged like no other. You know, when it comes to different areas of life, maybe relationships or, or figuring out how to make decisions or figuring out how to, to get a job here and there, th- those, those require some faith. But when it comes to money, and you need to make some concrete decisions about what gets spent and where it goes, there's a real opportunity for us to increase our faith in God and begin to develop and, and grow spiritually. And so we need to wrap our minds around two things. Uh, the things that, two things that are important to God. Adopting God's perspective on money and then also approaching financial planning in His way. So we're going to dig into adopting God's perspective first. And the financial reality of our lives is just not meant to be independent from God. And it's really easy for us to sometimes lock God out of the money compartment. You know, maybe I'll take some, I'll take some advice on, on how to treat my wife or I'll take some advice on you know, big decisions I'm trying to make. But when it comes to money, I don't want anybody, certainly not the Bible, not God, I don't want t- telling me how to use my money. And, and we, it's easy for us to get into that. But part of hitting that, that reset button is to remember, first of all, and this is really important, where our money comes from in the first place. And for us to remember that what we've been given, it, it flows from the hand of God. 
And so to reset, first I need to uh, recognize that my ability to make money is a gift from God. And this is easy to forget. Just, just recognizing God's involvement in our lives, that's easy to forget because we work and then we get paid and then we start spending stuff because that paycheck that comes in, it's got my name on it. And then I take it and I deposit it in a bank account that also has my name on it. And then I buy stuff with a shiny credit card that's got my name printed and emblazed on it in, you know, shiny letters. And so it feels like a pretty closed system here that, you know, this is all my stuff that I'm dealing with. But in Scripture, you know, what we see is that all the good things that we receive, they come from the hand of God. And not just the money itself, but even my ability to make money, my ability to, to get a job and hold it down and, and to have the strength required and the wisdom to go after it. And those are gifts from God. So is, so is my life in general. So is any skill that I have, anything that seems inherent to my nature or talents that I've developed. Those two are skills from, or those are gifts from God. So check out this passage in James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, first off, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift. It's from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. And so when you look at this, we learn a few important things. First, it's easy to be deceived. And so the context of this passage is is explaining how God never tempts us. He never leads us into temptation. If you experience temptation in life, it's not coming from God. So when things are messed up, though, it, it, we still, even, the, even though that's the case, we still are, are wanting to blame God. You know, our bad decisions, it seems like it's probably God's fault, or at least he allowed it to happen. So in the area of finances, you know, when things, when we get in those tough spots financially, we need to find an answer to why. And so we look, you know, we, we point the finger at God and say, you know, why, why did you allow this financial ruin to strike me right now? Like, we can't handle this right now. Or, you know, my refrigerator just broke and now we're in trouble. Why did you let that happen? Or, you know, I was supposed to get that job. I've been, like, applying for this for a few months and I was supposed to get that raise, but it didn't work out like I thought it was going to. You know, why, why is that happening? And the deception here, in, in other ways, is for us to point the finger at God. And James is saying all the good, all the good things that you experience in life, they come from him. And so, instead of a, a finger pointing an accusation, uh, really the, the shift we can make is, is to really just point the finger actually in gratitude and acknowledgement and thanking Him for those things. And then looking on in verse 17, it says uh, that God, God is from above. He's the Father of lights, uh, indicating that there's no shadow or there's no ulterior motive to Him. In, in the way that He provides for us and He gives us good things, He's not doing it for an ulterior motive. He's actually graciously helping us and giving us what we need. And he does not change. Uh, he just is consistent. All throughout our lives, he's consistent and reliable to that he will provide for us and he will provide for his children. So this perspective is key. This is a really important starting point. And all we've been given is a gift from a gracious God. And another important perspective to adopt is that he is the owner of everything that I possess. And Psalm 24.1 puts this really succinctly. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You know, you find out in Scripture, throughout all of the Old Testament, there's numerous references about different things you can find on the globe and the fact that they belong to Him. So, you know, God owns all of the silver and gold. We see that in Haggai. Just any, any dollar or uh, amount of income or any kind of monies that there are, God owns them. Uh, also, all the land on earth, any, any amount of real estate or, or anything that you can get a deed or a title for, that belongs to God. We see that in Leviticus. A- any animal that flies 
swims, crawls, walks on the earth, those all belong to him. We see that in Psalms. And so we too belong to God. And everything that we own, consequently, is his as well. And so the reality is, the things we own, we don't really own. We're, we're just renting them. Because someday we're going to pass on into eternity. And all that stuff that we own is going to get passed on to somebody else. And then they're going to rent it for a little while. And so this perspective should really dramatically impact the way that we view and handle money. Because it means we don't necessarily... If it's all God's anyway, we don't have to just really cling to the things that we're trying to build and, and hold on so tight and just you know sweat and, and labor just to accumulate and preserve and finally get that thing that I've been wanting and I'm not going to let anybody touch it and not let my kids get on it because they'll just break it. and You know you have this desire to, to really cling to these things. But this, this perspective is, allows us to be more open-handed with what God has given us. Another important perspective that we need to adopt is that a good steward knows his exact financial condition. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. It's talking about flocks and herds because livestock and agriculture was a predominant way of building wealth and, and having a job and taking care of yourself. So it says, know what you have. Be, be aware of what's in your possession because riches do not last forever. We know that. You know, the money can dry up pretty quick. And, and does a crown endure to all generations? It can be, so on the one hand, you know, as we just discussed, it can be tempted to cling to the possessions that we have. But on the other, uh, sometimes the temptation for people of faith is to handle money carelessly because, you know, it's just temporary anyway. And, and God, I can just spend what I have on the things that I want because God's going to provide for everything that I want. He's just going to, he's going to let it flow on in. And, and sometimes we, in that way, we can ha- fail to have a good understanding of where we're at financially. Early on in my marriage, I operated from a position of just not wanting to know anything financially. I thought, you know, like marriage is a good opportunity for me to relinquish all control and responsibility for finances. So you just deal with it. I'm not good with the numbers and stuff like that. And if anything bad happens, I don't want to know. And so knowing my financial condition is something that I've, I've certainly had to grow in and, and really get a grip on this responsibility. But God's perspective here is that we need to keep track of our money because the riches won't last forever. And, and more than that, we need to invest the things that we have in, into the future generations. If we use money, which is a temporary thing, money or resources, we can invest them into eternal things that will make an impact forever. And then one more important perspective for us to adopt that we see in Scripture is that the borrower is servant to the lender. And Proverbs 22.7 states, the rich, ruler, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave of the lender. That's pretty strong language, actually, when you think about it. Uh, I don't typically view myself as a slave to American Express. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a customer. I'm a cardholder. Sometimes when you call them up, they tell you, you know, they thank you for being a cardholder for so many years. I, I think it would be funny if they said, Mr. Wood, thank you for being a slave for the past five years. <laughs> it's like really changed our perspective on debt. Uh, because really our, our perspective is a little bit skewed because sometimes we have the tendency to see debt as the opportunity to enjoy today what I wouldn't be able to afford until a later time. And the Bible shows us that uh, this idea of being a slave, it comes in because we make the presumption that we're going to be able to, to satisfy that debt. That we're going to just remain healthy and we're going to be gainfully employed throughout the life of that debt and we'll just be able to take care of it. But we can get trapped really fast if things change up in our health. 
or things change up in our employment or suddenly there's some other financial tragedy that strikes, our condition changes, but the debt is still there. Debt also limits our freedom to love and serve others. It makes it so that uh, there may be needs that come up or, or people that you can help in some way, but you're not able to. Or there's maybe some sort of mission objective or, or an opportunity to contribute to something that, that's going on a broader scale, but your debt is just limiting what you're able to contribute to that. Or, or maybe if you sense a call to ministry somewhere else uh, and you're not able to, to leave your job or, or maybe you have to chase a job in order to satisfy the debt that's staying with you or, or you're not able to take advantage of additional opportunities to invest yourself more at the, your current church because those hours got to go to work so that you can satisfy the debt. And so our discipline, this, you know, thinking through debt, you know, can be, first of all, really stressful and also really discouraging. But the discipline needed to get out of debt and, and the faith in God that's required for that really is fertile ground for growth. And, you know, as we walk with God and strive to bring our heart in line with His ways, we're able to grow a lot and experience a deeper relationship with Him. So these are some of, just some of the perspectives that are required to, you know, hit that reset button financially. And the Bible provides these perspectives so that we can clearly and accurately view and handle our money. And the Bible also provides the instructions on, on practically speaking, how to handle our money. So we're going to look at that now in approaching financial planning God's way. And when you decide to follow Jesus Christ, you suddenly get a handbook. You get the Bible, which is the manual for dealing with all the complexities in life. You know, life is relatively complex because there's relationships that you need to figure out with, with family and friends and boss and coworkers. There's also, you know, the way that you use your time. There's the way that you think about your future. And, and all these different things come into play. And, and to have a handbook, a manual that really gives us the instruction to, to navigate those things wisely and effectively is so helpful. And so when you look at finances, can, you know, imagine enrolling yourself in a master's level program for dealing with money or, or you're ready to get like an MBA, your master's in business and applying the truth in the scripture is kind of like that. Maybe, you know, actually even better because the Bible integrates God and our faith in him and it integrates it into the real world of money management. You know, it's really easy to think that, you know, the Bible was written thousands of years ago and... You know, we just read some verses on, you know, livestock and your herds and cattle and things like that. And it's really out of touch with where we're at and the way that we handle our money now. Because, you know, the Bible was written when there was no American dollar. There was no stocks to figure figure in or or there's no um, PayPal or online banking. And all these things that we use to manage our money now were not available. But the, the reality is the principles that we find in Scripture directly correlate to the people then and it also transcends time to, to correlate with how we handle our money now. Because in all, all reality, the motives that drive spending and saving and all that back then, we still have the same motives in our hearts today because you know, the people, you know, our, our hearts are, are bent in that way. And so the Bible is going to be really helpful uh, to look at that and we're going to look at a brief overview of some of the guidance that you can find in the, in the order. This is the priority order for how we handle our money. The first one is to give off the top. We're going to look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the fr- first fruits of all your produce. The, the first fruits of your produce is basically in an agricultural society, if, you know, whatever, whatever you produce right away, the, the, the first and the best of what you get goes to the Lord. And, and you set that aside right off the bat. And so for us, that would be, you know, any income that you get or a paycheck or whatever, just setting aside a portion, just saying, first, before I use this money anywhere else, 
I'm going to give it to God. And it says, Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Just indicating that, that this priority step is necessary before we can experience uh, wealth in, in the remainder of our lives. And so when you, when you take off the top like that, it, it's not to say, you know, this part is the part that belongs to God and then I can, you know, use the rest of it for myself. But actually, it, it, the giving off the top of it is more actually a symbol just to say that, you know what, God, I recognize that all the money that you've given me is still actually yours. And I'm giving you this portion to say that I trust you and that I'm going to rely on you to provide for everything else that I need. So uh, that's, that's a helpful practice and reminder for us. Another priority that we see is to save for emergencies. Proverbs 22.3 tells us that the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Basically, to go through life and just anticipate, you know what, It'll, it's going to work out. I'm not anticipating any financial trouble. My income is going to remain constant and steady and probably even go up with inflation is a simple approach. And for us to, to be prudent is to anticipate, you know, there, there probably will be times of financial trouble coming. I, I can anticipate and plan on that and think ahead about how I will, I will respond to that. One practical way to do this is Dave Ramsey is a reputable financial advisor and he suggests to do this. The first thing when working out of a, a financial hole is to save $1,000 for emergencies and that way, as you're working to chip your way out of debt, if some, something strikes and you need to spend money on an emergency, you don't have to go further into debt. You can use what you set aside here. Um, I don't think necessarily uh, advice from Dave Ramsey is on par with obeying scripture, but his guidance and his help has proven to be very helpful in, in identifying some practical steps to uh, work out of a financial hole. The next thing we see is to get up, uh, get out of the debt trap. And it really is a trap. And lo- let's look at Proverbs 6, 5. It says, Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. I mean, imagine, you know, if a gazelle is just about to be grasped by the neck by a hunter who's going to, like, cut his neck. You know, what, what the extent to that gazelle is going to do to get out of that situation, you know, any means necessary. And so uh, this is a reference to... Your, you, our intended response to co-signing a loan, which is a, a way to get into that. But this is also the attitude that the Bible has about um, debt in general. And so whatever it takes for us to get out of debt, um, that's what we do uh, while maintaining God's list of priorities. The next step is to save for the short and the long term. And, and saving, we, we see a reference to this in Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. This is another interesting illustration. It says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, Consider her ways and be wise. So we get, get some advice from ants because without having any chief officer or ruler, nobody's telling the ant what to do, but still she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So it's basically saying, you know, O, o Sluggard is basically the person who is lazy in financial planning or, or takes no initiative to plan for the future or to save ahead. You know, even the ant who is an insect knows that she's going to be in need in the future and needs to plan accordingly. And so we can get advice from this. Um, Dave Ramsey, again, suggests some different ways to save for short and long-term. Uh, saving three to six months of living expenses for extreme emergencies can help you float through hard times. And also just to begin investing in long-term investments, you know, such as retirement. And then finally, we come to living on the rest. This is, this is the bottom of the priority scale that we see. This is where all the other spending in life comes in. 
you know, we've looked at giving, we've looked at getting out of debt and, and saving, but living expenses just weigh in at the bottom after all of these other priorities have been addressed. Look at Proverbs 15, 16. It says, Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. It's basically saying better is a little with fear of the Lord, which means to fear the Lord is, is to take God seriously to really look at what he says and to really do what he says. So, so better to take God seriously and just end up with a little bit than to have great treasure but get trouble attached with it. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you finally got that big treasure that you've been wanting but then you had to pay for it in other ways over the long term because it brought trouble on you. And so we all make trade-offs based on the things that are most valuable to us in life. And if knowing and pleasing God is the number one priority and we can just be content with what we have and not be striving for more and more. Which, of course, this is a, that's a constant fight. That's always going to be a battle for us to, to remain in that place of contentment. But this is how God grows our faith and He grows our character. If we choose His ways, we find out by personal, first-hand experience that He gives us the best life when it's done in His way. We find out from personal experience that God's guidance for money management does actually work better than our native default approach. So begin to imagine what it would be like if, if your money management wasn't an ongoing source of pain and stress and trouble. Imagine the relief that comes from finally getting out of debt or, or the relief from the ongoing refreshment from just staying out of debt. Or, or imagine what it's like to, just to have the freedom to give as needs comes up. Something comes up and you're just say, yeah, sure, here, here we go. I'm going to help out with that person or that mission initiative. Or just imagine the joy that comes from being able to just to invest in those around you, be generous, and to also invest in the, in the people following you and the generations to come. You know, what's it like to be freed up from that, uh, to experience life without a haze of financial discouragement? What's most important to us, it shows up in the way that we handle our money. And so if you want to start over, go back to the, to the one who gave us life in the first place, gave us everything, and acknowledge that every paycheck is a gift from God. And make it your goal to honor Him in the way that you handle your money, in the way that you live, and, and, and manage that, those resources. So pull out that connection card that you have in your bulletins, and you can begin to... We're going to look at some next steps that you may consider applying from this message. And I'd like to ask the worship team to come back to the stage, and, and ushers, you can prepare to receive this morning's offerings. You, on that connection card, you can finish completing any information that you have or next steps. And when the ushers come around, just drop it in the basket. And so some next steps you may consider. One is every day this week, thank God for the gifts that he's given me. You may want to just set aside time for that and, and really take out time to, to acknowledge him. You also may want to check out a resource to grow in God's way of managing money. On the back of your handout, there should be some different resources from, from Dave Ramsey or Larry Burkett that you can use to get some practical help. And then another next step would be to identify at least one way that I'm out of order. Maybe I got the priorities mixed up and I need to make sure I rearrange it, you know, whether it's giving or saving, spending or, or in debt. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and, and we will accept the offering in just a moment. Dear Lord, thank you so much for providing for us. Thank you that all the good things that happen to us, all the good things that are within our possession... Really, they've just come directly from your hand and that you're attentive to us, you're attentive to our lives and our needs, actually even our wants. You still do provide the things that we want uh, at times. So I thank you for that, Lord. Help us to learn your plan for money management. Help us to learn how to honor you 
and, and experience the life that you've attended, intended uh, by following Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for providing for us and allowing us to understand more how to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.